0: This this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebounding Safety. Today we're talking to a very interesting guest, a teenager that's made some very big changes within the industry of fire safety. Let's jump into the intro. I'll tell you some more about it. The problem in safety Crushing the stereotype, brought to you by Wrist Fluent. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. rebounding Safety is the YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. So if you're new here, hit subscribe, hit the bell, hit follow, whatever it is, just hit it. My name is James McPherson from Wrist Fluent, and I'm your host for today. Today, like I said in the little hook, we're talking to a very interesting young man. A young man that at the age of 14, was a bit annoyed by something in fire safety, wasn't very happy. It didn't work for his lived experience as an end user. um, When the fire alarm went off, it didn't create a good uh, reaction. It didn't create the solution, which it was trying to create. So what did he do? Instead of just sitting around and moaned, he did something about it. And that has led to an industry guidance that is now available for you all to read. It's an amazing journey. What a great guy. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Sonny White. Wow, Sonny, welcome to the podcast, buddy. I should actually say welcome back because we <laughs> and uh, we didn't go very well, um, technically wise. Uh, back again, the vengeance. Yeah. How are you? Are you okay?
1: I'm good, thank you. Thanks for
0: having me. That's all right, mate. That's all right. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. And um, do you want to give yourself a bit of an introduction first and then we'll and then we'll get into our conversation? Okay,
1: so I'm Sunny. I'm 16 now. Um, and I've done a guidance supplement um for consideration, considerations for people
0: with sensory sensitivities. Nice one. That's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, just for clarification, you are 16 years old
1: yes
0: 16 and it was being the guidance document was being done when i was 15. so tell me how does a 15 16 year old um get into get into writing a guidance on fire alarms and sensory uh, sensitivities
1: um, well my mum works in the fire industry and so i um had quite a an understanding about um, fire, fire in general um, and how things happened and why we stuck certain things in. Um, but then I saw a special needs school, and it when they did a fire draw, and it basically went horribly wrong, and that was regarded as normal. Mm. Um, and I didn't think that was right, and so during lockdown. We, I put some stuff together, and we, and it just started going from there. I did a webinar for the guidance document was out, and then it just built
0: and built up from there to the guidance document. So when when you say it went horribly wrong, like kind of define horribly wrong for me. Kind of, tell, if you if you can, uh, like tell yeah. a story of like alarm went off, this.
1: Alarm went off, people freeze, having um, to be pushed out the door by teachers. Um, one person just ran around the um, by the assembly point because they couldn't cope with the loud noise. Um, people got upset and overall, it, it just made people exhausted. And so instead of whoopee, I get 15 minutes at a lesson, it's like, I don't like this, can't stop it. it it's panicking kind of and they get concerned um and it was lots of covering ears not like that and stuff along those lines
0: right yeah so we're talking about people that are, are kind of have sensitivities from a sensory basis like sound ways yeah. um so if if you can and obviously respectfully like like kind of what is the target audience here that we're trying to solve this problem for so you said like a especially school for example is a really good example yeah.
1: um so especially school but it's also it gives you a lot of detail into the finer things such as fids fads um, and sound those are the three key things mm. uh it can really be taken on anywhere because people with sensory sensitivities aren't restricted to special needs schools they that that, there will be it's an invisible disability and so you won't you nine times out of ten you most likely will not ever see it until something noisily goes wrong and it or something flashes in front of them um and that is that just something knocks it out of place is out of place and it doesn't and they react to it. Um, the people with sensory sensitivities are everywhere and it's an invisible disability and because of that that they will they'll be in a shop, they'll be in an office, they'll be in a flat, everything so in a hospital, they can, they can be everywhere and we just don't know about it because they get on with their day like everyone else. Um, and so, when, um, and it's not a bad thing, but it's it's the fact that we we understand that we've got to make specific dust bowl reading in a certain building, but how we do that, um, so what kind of tone, what kind of stuff like that, that indicates what that that can have an effect, and so it, it, the guidance document is kind of telling you how you can help that, um, what you can do to kind of mitigate um, the sound, the strobes, the vads, um, and help along that. So it's really, it, I've I've heard it being used for student accommodation, um, some hospitals, I think, um, the various places, kind of just, that it, it doesn't need to be a major change, it can just be, well, instead of telling the um, sounders to play this sound, we can play this sound, um, and it's still compliant Um, but it's just that, or instead of, instead of just sticking it up with its default setting, let's actually just have a think about this and measure the room and we can turn it down by, um, 20 decibels or something. And that, that will make the difference. So it's kind of, it's for everyone everywhere, but when you, and it's stuck, so you, you can make the changes generally for other buildings but then when you start getting special needs premises this is when the guidance document really kind of takes off and that's where it's kind of that's its core area that it can do but it's not limited to that core area
0: yeah yeah so what what was uh before before you guys did this this new guidance was there anything
1: Um, there was a there was a document that got removed um, made obsolete a while ago that was a lot that was a really large document I can't remember the name of it but um, that did that covered I think a few point, points of this but there wasn't really but then that got removed and then there wasn't really anything on the market that told you how you can do this it was up to the Designer themselves, what what could I do? It was up to their imagination, basically. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to do something, if they didn't want to, but they didn't have to, there was no, there was no information to make you aware of that either. Um, and that's what it's aimed at to do: make people informed. Because when people are informed, they can make educated decisions.
0: Yeah. I like that. And and in my in my kind of experience with that as well, that relationship between building owner slash manager, fire risk assessor and alarm engineer. It's very much like a hot potato type of game. So the building manager will say, fire risk assessor, tell me what to do. And then the fire assessor, depending on their level of competence, he might turn around and say, well, the alarm engineer needs to come in and tell us what the best type of alarm for this, because they're the specialist for alarms. I'm just the risk assessor. Um, and then the fire alarm company will go, no, the fire assessor needs to tell you what we need for this building. And then it will bounce around and then you, you end up getting nowhere. Um and, and typically, uh, in my experience, the alarms engineer will just put in the the basic alarm uh or or the, the like way over the top type of alarm, like just detectors and beacons and absolutely, like they're being paid per, per square. Yeah. Um there is little kind of guidance but also just connection positive relationship between the two so you know ultimately having this guidance might help that relationship i think which is really nice um to see particularly for those more higher risk more complex buildings like special needs premises yeah um especially that
1: there is it's not i haven't heard of any special needs buildings that have been put in yet but it's being there is kind of a stage two of it coming up soon which will be a lot more detailed within that so it will be um it will be so this is quite open um and this this guidance document will be used to judge a few things and just kind of this is your building how can you do this um because as you say it's been bounced around in a ball game and then once once it finally once someone actually makes the decision and we stick something in it often is we've spent six months already debating or something um we need it in now we're not going to have time to sit around and consider stuff um whereas when when we just take it when we just have a thing we'll probably it doesn't need to be very long but we'll make a good system that will help people
0: Mm. yeah I like that, mate. Yeah. Which really is what we're trying to do, right? I think it's yeah. sometimes we might lose sight of that. So, so yeah. it's, the kind of you've touched on it. I want to. I want to make sure that we get we get this right. Like the two main issues we have here is is just the sheer volume yeah. of sounders is yeah. just overwhelming and and just yeah. response in certain um, in certain people.
1: Yeah. So. The volume of the sounders does cause a um, does cause people to react, Um, and that that is one of the big things. Is that when we do fire drills, lots of people go. Well, it's fire drill. You wouldn't know if there's an actual fire, so we're not going to tell anyone. So we set the alarm off, and everyone go, and everyone panics. And but what we're what we're not seeing is one of the things that I've been. Um, I spoke to someone and they said there is anxiety behind the fire alarm just thinking it may go off because it's so loud. So because it's so loud, people will sit there and get concerned that someone may press a call point or they may have a fire drill and it will just overwhelm them. And basically it will eat away at them throughout the day and eventually by the end of the day they're exhausted. Um, and it's like is it going to go off today or are we going to do it now is it is it in five minutes and everyone just kind of starts to panic a bit and because the sheer volume it's just it's so loud it's as if someone's basically to it's as if someone's just set up a firework yeah. um, right next to them um, and that's one of the big things um, because people with sensory sensitivities, often don't like it very loud. So, in when you're speaking special needs classroom, for example, they're very quiet places. We're not well. We're not normally doing. Let's sit and have a dis- group discussion in three groups, and it's all really loud. Even even in that, it's often in a large room, and we're all very quiet, and we're all kept to ourselves, um, and it's not. We're not going to be trying. We're not going to need the fire alarm to try and battle against the sound yeah. because it's not that loud um, in the room. So when we, when, if we lower the sound level to a nice quiet time because there's not nothing going to be, nothing's going to stop the fire alarm being heard in special needs schools because they're not loud. It's not like we're trying to do um, a concert hall that they're, they're massively loud and so we're going to need to come up with some solution to get over that but in special needs schools there is no massively loud sound um in the school i saw it didn't even do music um and so you can't even say the musical instruments are going to cause a loud noise because they did qu- drama instead and that was lip, that's not shouting screaming that's acting mm. um and so that there is there's nothing to need to go over to go massively loud and so when you do when you set the sounders you can then set them quieter and lower and you can you you then will be able to that won't cause people to react as the first the sound yeah if that aren't that, sitting around that
0: way no it does it does what yeah. i really like about this is is what i find really impressive is it it is kind of trying to put us back to what a, res- a fire assessment was always intended to be, and that mm-hmm. is a assessment of what's in front of you, the end user in that building, and the guidance is meant to act as guidance to guide yeah. you through that process. Actually, yeah. very much become over the years, mm-hmm. have been. Um, well, without getting on my soapbox and I don't want to get on my soapbox here I'm going to try and come up with a, a way to do it but I think because of the variations in competency with fire risk assessors there's been basically a we need to follow the, the exact letter of the guidance and force every building to fall in line with everything when without actually holistically looking at what we're trying to do here so yeah A lot of the time, you know, I'll go into a building and they'll be like, all the the doors are fire doors, for example, and they all need to be sure. And then do you like, actually, if you just look around at the building, like, and look at the original designs of the building, actually only 50% of these are required to be fire doors. It just so happens that they are fire doors. So we're not, there's there's a lack of kind of actually risk assessing, in my opinion. Um, and using the guidance and the design drawings and so on and the your your knowledge of who's in that building who uses that building to make risk-based decisions which is essentially what session is and what i like about the work that you've done and and the the team that you've been working with it, it kind of tries to encourage us to go back down that route and consider who's in this building and I always find it really as it's, it's a completely different type of area and obviously you couldn't take this and and uh, take this example and put it somewhere else but just as a as a as an example of something quite similar when I, I went on a cruise for my honeymoon and oh. this really big induction onto the ship um and a big part of it was safety and a massive part of it was fire safety and so every every single room in this ship has a detector on it And if that detector detects something, we will ring your phone. And if you answer your phone, we'll ask you if there's a fire in the room. If you don't answer your phone, somebody will already be on the way to your room to check the situation. There will not be an alarm go off. And I remember... I remember just thinking about it and looking around the room and you could tell some people were quite uncomfortable with the idea that oh, there's no fire alarm. But can you imagine if there was a fire alarm on a ship and all, God knows how many thousands of people were just panicked yeah. and absolutely, you know, haywire on a enclosed steel, uh, like, yeah. um, like in a massive, vast ocean, which would be a bad idea? Um, yeah. and. It, a very different customer base but a very similar notion what we're trying to do is manage a fire deal with a people but without causing a panic and it's quite similar in a way to what you're trying to do i think
1: yeah so i know um bs5839 part one really well um i've read what well, the sound of dust spell reading very well um and so i gone through and it does say It should be 65 decibels, but there's no, you can go away from that. Mm. And that, and that there's a reason why we can go away from that because the 65 dB will not always be suitable for every single building. It It will be suitable for the majority, but not for everything. So for other stuff, you have to do it yourself. And I think people have forgotten some of that. And we, we decide that we go it must be this it must be in accordance with this but actually it doesn't have to be it can be a bit out it can be outside the box thinking basically and we can do that
0: yeah 100 man that comes back to kind of what i was saying if we're treating we we, we got to upon treating guidance as and guidance combined with a fire risk assessment is to enable you to to do a job like so many times that i kind of we get called in to do a fire assessment and and so many times it's like a heritage building just a a different example but but related to what you just said and i always get the old fire risk assessment and if it's available and have a look at it and nine times out of ten the fire risk assessor is trying to Permit this building to the 2022 building standards it, even though this building was built in like the 1600s and you're just never going to be able to do that okay. and in a way it's just it's that same notion of like this fear of blowback on me as a risk assessor is basically forcing me to not to to not take a risk-based approach and, and maybe thing like uh, the variance in competency and that i think has a big impact um but you know i'll just use one example of a, a, a shoe factory in a local town that i went to the other day was like i don't know 17 1800 maybe this building was built we used to have like a terrace hat street of houses and then they'd smack a factory in the middle of this terrace street. A great idea for like customer, uh, your your employees living next door to workplace. Horrendous idea for just anything other than that, really. Yeah. Uh, massive building, old as anything. And it was the shoe factory years and years and years ago. Uh, now it still is a shoe factory, except... Now in 2022 and um, building standards are very different and fire safety guidance and legislation and, and, and standards that we expect to operate to are very different and the last fire risk assessor pretty much wanted this factory being knocked down and rebuilt that like was the only way that you were ever going to get proper you know up to date to get it up to date to modern day standards um and i was like but you have to, you, you can't follow the guidance because this you can't follow, say, like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, means of escape, for example, from the top floor, went back into the second floor. So you had, you were going into a protected staircase and then going back into like a hazard area to go into another staircase, which is pretty much a no-no. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't change it. Like it, it just is what it is. Like You have to knock the whole top floor off and put a new top floor on. It would never work. Uh, so we did the risk assessment and basically just did it as a risk-based approach. And then we had the fire service in a couple of weeks later but It was just coincidentally booked in anyway. And they had the exact same response that we did and said, well, there's no way you can, you can hold this to current standards because it's a, I don't know, whatever it was, 1800 building. Um, but previous fire risk assessors had... And again, that's just another example. I think of maybe the wider issues within the fire profession, which I think probably your mum could talk a lot more um, than I could, let alone the both of us. But um, you know, I think um, it's a very complicated space, and and that's what I really yeah. like what you've done in this in this guide is it just kind of gone through my for your own experiences. Identify the profession needs a bit of help, and you as yeah user have gone and, and done something at the age of bloody 15, which is just mind blowing Yeah. Well done, mate. Well done. we um, so we kind of spoke about the 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 decibel level of the of the training I'm I'm kind of lowering it down. And and I think one of the biggest issues we're talking about here is, is confidence to be able to do that, right? Um yeah. We might look to the fire risk assessor, and we've kind of already spoke about about that. So often, I think we might look to working with the the, the local fire service as well. I think that relationship there seems to have waned um, for sure. I mean, in in your in your example at your school, were the just just curious? Were the fire service involved in that conversation at all, or was the school mostly just leading that conversation? Um, I don't
1: even think the school was leading that conversation. I think it was. Here's the design, sick fire alarm system, and um, it was all kept to the building company. Building company just knew they were building a building. Um, they didn't know it was for. Well, I, they may have known it was just special needs, and they may have just kept them to themselves.
0: Um, and sorry, sorry, so what, what? So you kind of raised the. You, you did? Was anything? Was there? Was there a subsequent conversation after that, or?
1: So during the design, we raised, um, I raised the thing that, what about sticking your voice fire alarm system in? And so the head teacher contacted the company um, and they went, yep, yeah, okay, it's an extra five grand. That, that, that's the end of the conversation, basically. Um, yeah, we're, we're paying two million pounds for this building. Um, no, we're not spending five grand on the fire alarm system but we're spending 20 grand on a laser woodcutter. <laughs> so, yeah, Whoa. and then I turn up to the new building and they put probably what they could have done with that five, they could have got that five grand by not sticking so many sounders in the building. Because <laughs> you walked in and before you even got to your classroom, you passed about five sounders. And I mean, it wasn't a big building it was um, It how I think, not even 12 classrooms. Um, it basically had corridor up, you went up to your classrooms, and that was it. And same downstairs. And before you even got there, you passed five standards, and then you walked into the classroom that was um, probably wasn't even you, you could fit, probably it was about six or uh, six to eight double desks in the classroom and a space for teaching. That was about the size. And we had and a cupboard um, that was about a meter by two metres. And within that space, we had three sounders. At least one was a flashing light. Um, so we had one in two in the classroom and one in the cupboard. I don't know what why you'd need one in the cupboard. Um, and then the only room that didn't was the room they thought would be the learning support hub which was this so as it was a special needs school all the students needed support but the ones that needed additional support were in the learning support hub but of course the learning support hub wasn't actually in that room when they moved in Mm. so they were in the room that had too many sounders and the classroom that that and the other room that they thought be the largest for only had
0: one sounder, which one sounder would have been enough to cover the whole each classroom at least. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, that I'd say that's surprising, but in my experience of, of building buildings, it, it's it's not surprising whatsoever. It's it's kind of indicative of the of the industry at the moment. It's disappointing anyway. You mentioned kind of uh, voice alarms there. Um I think a lot of people don't don't realize that um that it, there's a lot of there's a lot of sites that you, you as a customer, so like a shopping big shopping center for example, and you have like a pre-alarm and sometimes that's well, like a pre-alarm's gone off and they might say something over the tannoy, like Um, can Mr Smith go to parking bay one and everybody knows that what that actually means is there's a fire in zone one or the alarms going off in zone one can you go and check it's an actual fire I I think again that not a lot of people know that they can utilise things like that within the guidance um, to be able to see if it's a a real fire we see this quite a lot in, in hospitals the alarms going off why we want a two knock system so we want the first knock go and check and then the second knock means, okay, we've got a proper fire now. Now we go into into evacuation mode. Um, and voice um, um, voice alarms, you could then take that the next step further and that sounder could actually be a voice. Um, and I, I think the first time we spoke, did you even say, was it yourself that said something about, I'm um, like to the Thomas Tank Engine kind of uh, tune? Or was that you that said that or somebody else who told me that?
1: Nursery no, rhyme tune. So, yeah, um, there's places... Voice sounders are when you, you've got to pick the right model. So different companies do different things with their voice sounders um, and they have different components built in them. Um, and so you need to pick one with the right components built in. Um, it's always I, always, I always think it's best to, before you stick it in, actually come and hear it. So buy one, buy it out yourself and just listen to it and see, could you start, sit there? 10 minutes and listen to that sound and not be annoyed Mm. and if it's a yes then that's a good one stick in if it's a no that's the drawing board um but yeah you there's been i think i've heard of one place um a nursery that stuck a nursery rhyme on the sounders um on the voice sounders, and um all the kids just walked out and all this because it was stuffed um, all the staff knew that that was the fire alarm so they'd just get the kids instead of upsetting what would be probably 20 kids in a room um, and causing mayhem and then crying you just you just played a nice tune and the staff would know that and walk them out and you could do some of the same kind of things in a special needs school except you probably wouldn't need a nursery rhyme you could just speak it but when you speak it you've got to speak it in a certain way you can't be too you don't want to be too direct um, you'd want to say it nice and calmly and clearly but not firm you, you just want to say please leave the building by the nearest available exit and special needs schools are staffed pro- about it's probably about one, to one staff to six students. It's about roughly that. Um, and the classroom is never normally bigger than 12, and that would have... Um, and that, that, if it was probably be to a large classroom, and so there would probably be a teacher and an LSA in there. And so you then, if the alarm went off, you have two members of staff who could direct students if they didn't understand the voice message. And so, therefore, it would, it's it stuck. It, you've got trained people in there, but you shouldn't. I, personally, I wouldn't say you should rely on
0: students to be trained. Mm. You
1: should rely on the members of the staff because people react to higher alarms different ways depending on how are they So, if they're really tired, they may not be as quick as if they weren't so tired and stuff like that. If they're having a bad day, it may not go so well. Yeah. Um, and so, things like yeah. that. Um, yeah, so you can use voice sounds quite a lot. And one of the um, other things is with the pulse alarms. So secondary schools, um, even in special needs secondary schools, you do get people coming up and pressing the call point and that causes anxiety um, and also wastes 10 to 15 minutes of a lesson. And now lessons aren't too long. So that's that can be in some cases one third of the lesson gone. Um, and so you lose out on teaching time. So there is a site manager on site. So why don't you put a delay on the system and just let the site manager know? And all of a sudden we've prevented two, 300, in some cases, even a thousand students being evacuated mm-hmm. um, and wasting what could be 10, 20, 30, even 50 lessons, 15 minutes of 50 lessons.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, you could tell the difference in our schooling that we used to purposely set the alarm off just before geography so that we didn't have to go, or we at least got fifteen minutes off. You can. Tell <laughs> it was, uh, my school was a different type of needs, um, more like discipline needs. Um, wasn't It wasn't great, but, but to be fair, geography was boring as shit. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. I think there's lots of, lots of interesting stuff that you kind of said there, and it really kind of demonstrates the real flexibility that we actually have here is one very simple thing, is to and safely get everyone out of the building as quickly as possible.
1: But yeah, and to- it's, it's not like the technology is not already there. When you put an addressable fire alarm system in, even though it will give you the location, that some of the systems have been put in some of the biggest buildings in the country, and you're and you've got it in a building that's got about sixty people or two hundred or three hundred, um, and it's it's exactly the same technology as some of the biggest buildings. So why don't you utilise that and make it so that it does have a delay or it does give you an alert prior? Um, I've heard of one school that what would happen is the fire doors would shut when the fire alarm's activated, it would give it three minutes. And after that three minutes, then the alarm would go off and everyone would evacuate. And during but during that three minutes, all the fire doors would be shut. And so this, so staff may know if they know that if the fire door shuts, there is a possibility of being evacuated. Um, but then it's, then the site manager can go and check the, the cause of the alarm and see whether there is natural need to leave the building um, because most schools have fire doors already put in nearly everywhere. Um, and so if there is a fire, it will probably be contained or the teacher will go press a manual call point.
0: Yeah. And again, that, that, this just shows the importance of the fire risk assessment for you to be able to take take a zoom out on the lens and have a look. Okay. Yeah. So we, we can do kind of like, uh, kind of what you're talking about there is kind of like an adaptation on like a progressive horizontal that you might use in a hospital but i think people that have never worked in say somewhere like hospital where those two knock systems are actually really common um maybe you've worked in manufacturing and all you're used to is the alarm goes off and everybody gets out this might sound a bit like oh my god why would you do that like there's a fire in the building you're not going to tell everybody so it feels kind of it, it, if you've never experienced it, it might feel counterproductive. But actually, it's productive in a way that it's it's managing it and doing it more effectively. So again, when I used to work in 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 the NHS, we used to have that in a lot of our hospitals. First knock would be a detector going off, and that would immediately notify the facility staff, and all the fire doors would shut. So we can, if there is a fire, it's contained to your point within that zone within that compartment but the facilities team are notified immediately to go and investigate so they would go to the panel find out where it is and then start making their way up to that building and they had I feel like three minutes Was I feel like it longer on ours I think I want to say seven but I that feels like a long time but we did have some really big hospitals but anyway have a, a couple of minutes basically or a few minutes to go and investigate if they exceeded that time, the alarm went off and had started their progressive horizontal evacuation. If um they saw signs of fire, they could hit a manual call point and that would act as a second knock as well, and that would yeah. act as all cool sounding. Or if another detector in a different, in a different, not different compartment, but a different like room one and then room two detector. That then ca- counts in second knock as well, and it goes off. So basically what you're doing is you're telling the system to look for signs of a real fire, and you're telling humans to look for signs of a real fire before we freak everybody out and everybody panics. Now, the reason we do that in healthcare is because we've got people in bed we don't really want to move unless we really have to. And then we've yeah. got people that were, in, we're in, in one of the hospitals. We had people that if we moved them it was like a potential risk to their life because they were that easily yeah. ill. Uh, yeah. So it was like, we are not moving this person until the last resort. Um yeah. it does feel weird if you've never been exposed to that, doesn't it, I think? Um,
1: yeah. So anyone who's watched Paddington Station 24-7, um, sorry, like railways as well, um, you'll see that they have their control room and Behind them is the fire panel with a basically an LCD display um, or like your clock, um, and it will just change. Um, the time will just count down, and they'll have three minutes on the clock, and they'll radio to the staff on the ground, and they'll go and check it before they evacuate what could be three, four, five thousand people. Yeah. Um, and it is, um, and if you commute in and out of London or any major station you've probably heard um, can inspector sand please go to platform whatever um, and that's basically a coded message mm-hmm. um, and there has been a notification that there may be a fire there's no guarantee that it may be a fire and um, it, it, there's no guarantee that it will be a fire but it may be a fire mm-hmm. and so during that three four five six minutes that they have um they will go and investigate before they check everyone out and it seems silly that some that their smoke's pepper has gone off why are we still all sat in the building or walking around the train station Well, it's actually because that it may not actually be a fire the likelihood it's not mm-hmm. because everyone is so aware and alert now what could cause a fire that we are quite clear on how we can prevent fire and so often it's um somewhat in schools baking in the toilets um or wanting to get out a lesson and someone's pressed the manual call point or someone has even thought that the button next to the door lets the door open yeah Um, and they'll press the button and instead of off goes the alarm which of course then they panic because the fire alarm's going off and it, they can't actually figure out how to get out. It's actually, it doesn't actually do anything, so I'll go find another way. And someone's on its way, on their way down to sort out the cool point before they chuck out thousands and
0: thousands of people. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Very, very true. So t- look, I'm interested in the journey of this guidance. Then, So this, um, you had this, you had this evacuation, this drill, you kind of noticed there was, uh, there was a bit of an issue there. Yeah. How, where did you go from there were you talking to the school first did you go home have a chat with your mum about it look at you then go off and try and find guidance like t- talk me through that kind of journey
1: um so first I saw all the problems that go on and then I went had a chat and with my mum and basically I didn't think it was right um and so I read through guidance documents and different things and just got a brief understanding of sound levels and then went well we and then went to the school and went well you can have this you don't have to have this um and they went okay um and that that was kind of the end of the conversation at that point i think i was um around probably 14 14 or 13 um and when you don't have to have this and they went okay and it's just 14 or 13 year old who probably doesn't know very much telling them something which they know absolutely nothing about Um, so kind of a way for the person there but at the end of the day i am i was only 13 or 14. Um, and so it got left there and we carried on with that system then we got our new building and i went "We can stick this in Went okay, that's the cost, not really gonna stick in. Um and so it kind of and it just got went on from there. And then I looked in and over lockdown because I had a lot of free time because online schooling didn't really work out. Um and so we then went to I just went through um, British standard five eight three nine part one, and went through and looked at products on the market. Had um, during I think December twenty twenty, drop holders and fire alarm kit, um, which included an open area sounder that didn't really got got set off. That was and when it did, it was inside a cardboard box, inside another box, inside another box to dampen the sound, um, and because there, there was no need for it to be that loud and it wasn't really able to be turned down that much. Right. Um, and so it then progressed to there. And then I was, um, my school was having a bit of in um, senior management. And so kind of during that point, I was able to slide in and get some death spell briefings done within the school um, when they did their fire alarm testing on a Monday, um, thanks to the deputy head. And, we got on to the next part, and I went on and did a webinar with Fireco. Um, and it was based on on the school, and it, it wasn't said which school, but it was based on the school. Um, and I went around, dotted around where all the sound well, what kind of level they were set at, were they set at high, low, and um what what was where and so i then presented that to people and then we um i think it was about 60 60 people and we then grew from there um onwards um from there onto a guidance document and then it got it started to get looked at um and the fia then finally said they publish it um and then it kind of went from there and then the next stage um is kind of starting um shortly that's looking to be started in january um officially and that will be looking in more detail at specific places where the guidance note could be incorporated and what because the guidance note is very open um what exactly can you put in um so details of kind of part alarm kit parts and what you set them to and different things like that and the options around it yeah wow yeah wow
0: it's just a sheer level of determination there <sighs> but it was kind of just one step at a time and it just kind of progressed just slowly
1: but it was just one step at a time and it was never the end goal it's kind of do you want to do this yep that's great idea let's do that um next thing oh yeah that's a great idea let's go on that and it's kind of just been let's just work along this for a bit and then an opportunity pops up and it's kind of let's go and do that um it's kind of like jobs you work for one company and another company pops up and you go over
0: to them wow. um yeah well done wow yeah. i just i just year of a, a 14 15 year old lad on a zoom call or in a boardroom or whatever with a load of old Fire, fire engineers and risk assessors, just like talking about guidance, and then there's you, like this fifteen year old lad. Like I love it, amazing. Um, and and what I really like about this is, you, you know, I talk about it a lot on the podcast. Is is um, and safety's maybe getting a little bit better at it, but I'm not sure fire is is really touching on this. And and Grenfell's kind of highlighted it. I don't know Phil talked about this a lot, as you know, talking to that engineer. So in housing, it was talking to the residents. As from a grand example, in healthcare or NHS, it's talking to the patients and the nurses and the and the ward managers and so on and so forth, and really get an understanding of what that end user experience is. Um, And you know, posh academic people call that kind of building that kind of cognitive diversity of you know really different ways of thinking and solving problems and dealing with situations and essentially. You have just kind of forced the industry to like be like you know here have some cognitive diversity what you're doing is not working for me it's not working yeah. some people like me you you need to do something okay you're not listening I'll tell you what I'll do it myself thank you very much uh, yeah. which I love uh, and, and I, I'm really proud of the industry as well that, that's kind of supported you in that like you know we've not gone how old are you yeah, we haven't all- <laughs>
1: yeah lots of people have been really understanding how i'm only 16 i i don't know everything but i, I give a good shot at learning about
0: it um but you but you know your, your lived experience and yeah. that, that no one can take that away from you and vital information for like people like me i'm doing the fire risk assessment for your school for example i'm your lived experiences with the fire alarm because it helps me do a better job mm, yeah what you've done here and what the industry has done by um supporting you in that is, is enable us to show the benefits of understanding the end user and their lived experience with fire um to enable us to just do our jobs better, which I really like really really yeah love. yeah love it mate love it well done you absolutely. Let me quickly look up my notes so I sure we've uh, covered that reference. So who was, who was in the room? Really? Not, not people, but like yeah. people that were in the process of the... So you mentioned you had the FRIA, in there. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to stab a guess. Your, your mum was probably part of the, the process. What about the fire service? Were the fire service involved or the National Fire Chiefs Council, maybe?
1: Um, I think i so um Jake Derek Elizabeth um grant there, there were, um there were just different people contributing different things to um what what can, what do they think about it yeah. and what 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 have them bit their experiences and it wasn't just people who do firearms it was people who from different areas of fire, so peeps um what do they do and so how how does a fire alarm affect a peep so i know there was because of the fire alarm peeps were having to be made which is kind of counteractive um because the fire alarm was causing the problem so then you're having to create peeps, and it's not really that's not really how it should work
0: yeah yeah like, um, it's a little bit like that, actually. Yeah. So it would have been fine if we'd have made, yeah, if we if we'd made the building work for the people that are in the building, we wouldn't have peeps all of the people in the building. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is kind of how it should be. Um, and along with the people who've helped me, um, Fireco was one of the big ones. They let me do the webinar. Um, I was quite. No, no one i don't think no one really knew me at that point and it was kind of that was the first thing and nerve-wracking is anything presenting a presentation in front of everyone um but it was also thanks to um matt at millwood services that um got me asked by her and they let me do it um without him i wouldn't have actually got a webinar done um so thanks to him and it's kind of there's lots of people who have kind of helped along the way and just got their points, it's kind of, they get their points across and then I take it on board and it's kind of like, then that makes me better at understanding different scenarios because they know different scenarios and I know different scenarios. If we come together, we become it becomes even better. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what is needed if you listen to what other people have to say. And sometimes it may be nonsense, but very rarely, uh, they, they may, if it's sounding like it's that you don't quite understand, there's probably another factor in why they came up with that decision, that why, why did you sit that in, it's completely irrelevant for these people, but it's completely relevant for these people, so it's kind of getting that balance as well. Of we're needing this for this group of people but not for this people is it still safe yes so we can actually accommodate these people either that may not accommodate it may not be necessary for these people mm. and it's just helping accommodate more and more people into the picture
0: wow you're very wise head on your shoulders very wise <laughs> uh,
1: yes uh, well I, I just pick things up as I go along. It's like just listen to what other people have to say and then carry on. I, I was known in my school as I knew quite a lot about what was going on. It just pick stuff up. People mention something. And oh, completely irrelevant for that minute. But half an hour later, that's completely irrelevant and really useful. So it, it's kind of just making sure that you Remember the information because you may not need it for three or four years, but that one moment you do need it, it is really relevant.
0: Do you go back into school now and be like, you know who I am?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I've just finished um, year eleven, so I'm on long summer holidays at the moment, Um, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it was quite. it was quite because, I don't know how it kind of happened, but a lot of the year sevens pick up year 11s names and people around the different schools and the more that teachers, and I was one who always went and did the jobs, and so year sevens that I never knew, or year eights or year nines, and they'd known my name and it was kind of like, and so you you don't walk into a room going, do you know who I am, it's you're walking into a room with half the people knowing your names already. Because when the teacher goes, yes, I and everyone knows my names, it's kind of, oh my goodness. It's kind of a shock, because you don't expect, you just carry on with your day, and you don't expect that those 10 students all know my name. And it was kind of, I saw my my tutor who does life skills, so um, teach people how to um, go on a bus, do cooking, stuff like that um health and safety stuff like that she she was out at the bus station doing a group and they all knew me i had absolutely no clue who half of and it's kind of and it was like I, I i know you i know you i've seen you i have no clue who you are but they all knew me and i was just going over and having a chat with my old tutor but that is kind of it's surreal that
0: everyone knows me yeah <laughs> oh awesome that's absolutely yeah. awesome. i love that yeah um, so the, the guidance is out now it's available yes i'll put it in the description um yeah. you, I, I don't think you could make it i think you were doing your exams if i remember rightly but it was yes the expo this year was it
1: yes firex um yeah firex this year we were checking dates of different things and pulling up exam board information um, and it just so happened that on the day of the release, I had an exam literally a couple of hours before, and I'm not in London, so trying to then get up there, after. it wasn't really the best idea, um, because of course then I had an exam the following day as well, so it, it was just better to stay in school and, learn, well, relax, but also learn more for the next exam, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um but you zoomed, you zoomed you did a zoom call in and presented to the 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 audience. Yeah, so pre
1: we did a pre-recorded um video and um trying to read off a script while a video camera was recording you. Um I think it was about 20 takes before we came with the final one. But we got there and it turned out it turned out really well. Um and it, it and in the end
0: the guidance was released and everyone can now get hold of it um yeah when you um are you, are you do you feel proud of what you've done Do you, when you look at that guidance and when you hear people talk about it, you know, I'm a 31 year old fire risk assessor and I've been trying to become really competent um, for a long time. And there are people that have been doing it a hell of a lot longer than me that will now pick up your guidance, help them do their job. Does that make you feel quite proud of what you've done? Yeah, I'm
1: really happy that other people are now going to be able to just pick up some extra knowledge to help others. and it's kind of it's one of those shock moments where you're just thinking, Oh my goodness, I've just released the document that everyone's gonna that hundreds of thousands of people are gonna read yeah. and hopefully you know, affect millions of people, hopefully, by the end of it. Yeah. Um and it's kind of you just get those kind of shock moments. It's like when I was in doing my exams, it's like, oh my goodness, I've been at this school for five years and now I'm doing GCSEs. It's like it's kind of you just carry on with your day and then it's like you just it like slaps you in the face
0: oh my goodness I'm actually doing this Hit you in the face sorry yeah it's amazing, it's amazing yeah. that guide will you know no matter how many times it's updated and tweaked and it will always have started with you, you know, yeah. not being happy with what's in there and deciding you want to try and do something about it um yeah I just think there's a there's 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 a lovely moral to that story, but I think you should be very proud of what you've done, mate. You know, yeah. uh, obviously a lot of other people in that journey that should also be proud. But ultimately, if you if you'd have just accepted the status quo and gone, no, uh, mm-hmm. you know they don't think about they don't think about us. I um, just moaned about it. Yeah. it Would have happened, but 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 actually turning around and trying to do something with it, um, I think is yeah. Hats off to you, mate. You should be very. Proud
1: thank you i never do anything the simple way <laughs> <laughs> So
0: often it ends out a really good way yeah no yeah really good mate and, and uh and yeah i'll put the guide in the in the link as well so people can can get hold of that um but well done i mean any any other guides you're planning on on doing next what what's next for this for the sunny um obviously f- fire or are you like i've had enough of fire now i want to do something else
1: um, so there's chats in the moment talks in the, at the moment uh, with people on doing another kind of document which uses the fia document um as the baseline and what we can do to help other places that are already built and or, or in design um and more specifically giving kind of more precise um information um, it's not currently nothing quite there yet we're still just waiting um on just figuring out and hoping that that it will go through um, we we've um asked and it's it's con- being considered as we speak at the moment
0: having, um, having discussions I'd, I'd say, yeah yeah
1: no. yeah it's it should be really
0: good well done and um, that's really interesting so there's more to the I uh, watch this space for sunny white then basically in the, in the fire space
1: yes watch this space there'll be more coming out hopefully in the next couple of months if maybe a bit longer depending on how long it takes to do the next next thing when it if it gets approved
0: amazing yeah Mate, well done. Uh, I, I sense great things to come. So thank you very much for the work that you've done and the work that you will do. And thank you very much for coming on the podcast and having a discussion with us. Sorry, the first attempt didn't work out. Um, if you'd have heard the audio, mate, it was horrendous. It was so um, but it was both of us. so mine was bad as well. I don't know what, we fixed mine now, I think. Hopefully. Uh, I, yeah. Nobody can understand anything. But thank you for coming back on and thank you for being patient with us as well. Okay, peeps, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. What an amazing young man, Um, an inspiration to us all, I think, to, you know, if we're frustrated by something, then do something about it. Don't just sit around, moan and groan at the pub or whatever, or put out a little social media post moaning about stuff to make yourself feel better. Go and change it. Do what Sonny did. He was 14 when he started this journey, and he has now got to a point where he's issued out or at least started the journey and it's resulted in industry guidance and i think there's loads more to come from sunny so i'm really looking forward to seeing what else he does in his future and um, i thank him very much i thank you all for listening i hope you've enjoyed the episode Don't forget, if you need any support with this stuff, Risk Fluent has quite a lot of background in fire safety, so you can drop us an email if you want, james at riskfluentltd.com. Otherwise, go to riskfluentltd.com, and our new website is there for you to learn anything and everything about what we do. I'll catch you next week. Safe.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies.